Okay, Brad, please settle the confusion. Is it choose phi or choose fi? Hi there, I'm Mindy Jensen. And I'm Carl Jensen. And this is the Mindy and Carl on Money Podcast, where we talk about what happens after you reach financial independence. Why do we call this show Mindy on Money? Because follow along with Mindy and Carl as they figure out what truly makes them happy since they didn't really focus on it while pursuing financialindependence.com was already taken. Wow, that's a long URL. (laughs) On this episode of the Mindy and Carl on Money podcast, Carl and I chat with Brad Barrett from Choose FI about the concept of financial independence and why so many people just don't seem to want to participate in the community. But before we get started, let's take a quick break. Today's episode is sponsored by us? Wait, what? That's right, Carl. Today's episode of Mindy and Carl on Money is sponsored by Mindy and Carl on Money. We'd like you to subscribe to our podcast, and you can do that by going to mindyonmoney.com slash subscribe, and that'll give you a bunch of different links depending on what your preferred podcast app is. Cool. I should subscribe. You you haven't subscribed yet? No, I don't... Let's bring in Brad Barrett from Choose Fi, or is it Choose Fi? I don't know. We'll talk about that in the podcast. He is going to kick off February Fi Month. Is that a real month-long celebration? Like, is it official? Does Hallmark sell cards? Not yet, but they will. This week, we kick off the month with Brad Barrett. Next week, we'll discuss the most important financial decision you can make. You'll want to turn in for that. And hint, you may have already made this decision. Hope you chose wisely. <sighs> Followed by 10 Reasons to Pursue Fire, and then we wrap up the month with the top excuses people do not pursue financial independence. Brad, you're one of my oldest friends in the fire community. I think we first started talking way back in 2013 when you were running Richmond Savers. I remember we actually talked on the phone. You gave me travel tips for our trip to Hawaii. Do you remember that, Brad? That was a long, that was like 10 years ago. That was 10 years ago. That is so crazy. Yeah, it's... It's hard to believe. I mean, I think we had a, a little conversation on Twitter the other day, and you said something to the effect of, yeah, I've known Brad for, for 10 years. And that was the inception of Richmond Savers, I think was like May of 2013. So it must have been like, I think the first fire or fire websites I commented on way back in the day were yours and Brandon's, the Mad Fientist. So uh, I think, yeah, you guys are my two, and you're wearing a shirt right now, as Mindy is pointing out. I uh, yeah, the two of you are my two oldest friends in the fight community. It's yeah, it's wild. So you were one of the very first people I did that like so I called it my free travel rewards coaching service back in the day. I think, you know, with you it was just, hey, let's jump on the phone. This is uh somebody who's a buddy of mine. But yeah, I mean, that was one of the wackiest things I ever did, but it was kind of like a a springboard for everything that came after that in terms of like online business was Hey, I have this little site named richmondsavers.com like and I also help a lot of people with travel rewards, you know, but how could I actually make a difference? How could I maybe earn some money also? And I I would offer this free phone call. I mean, I kid you not, guys. I was a a CPA and a tax manager at like a big Fortune 500 level company and at noon and 12:30 Monday through Friday, I had 30-minute phone calls with random people from my website. I mean, like it it's it was wild. And uh, yeah, that seems like a long, long time ago. It's crazy. Isn't it interesting how different our lives are now 10 years ago? If you'd have asked me then on that phone call what I thought my life would have looked like now, I would have had no clue. And I'm sure you would have been the same. You've done Travel Miles 101 and you've totally blown up with Choose Fi, the biggest podcast in the financial independence community. Uh, It's crazy, right? Yeah, It, it is hard to believe. I mean, like, yeah, 10 years ago. Well, right. Even so say 11 years ago, right. Or 10 and a half years ago before I even started Richmond Savers. Like there was no world where I ever could have imagined any of the, any of the things that have happened subsequently. And yeah, I mean, choose if I was just kind of like lightning in a bottle to a large degree. I mean, it's, it's pretty wild when you look at your life like that. Right. And you say like, how the heck did this happen? Like all the, all the steps, all the work, all the luck, Right. Anybody who's successful and doesn't say that luck factored into it is, is a fool or a liar or naive, but but obviously hard work factors into it as well. Right. And like, 
goodness, I just, yeah, I never, Carl, I never could have imagined. And it's, it's one of those like super exciting things about the next 10 years, the next 20, the next 50 years is like, who the heck, if this much happened in 10 years for all of us, right? All three of us, what, what is, what 10 years going to look like from now? I have no clue. I'm really, I love how you said that luck factors into it. And then also came back around and said, but hard work factors into luck is absolutely a key factor, but you like luck seems to appear when there's a lot of hard work behind it. So it isn't just, you know, oh, I lucked into this. You didn't luck into starting a podcast. You did a lot of hard work to come to the realization that, hey, a podcast would be really cool. And it has grown and it's fun to watch how the the podcast has grown and especially the Facebook communities have grown the local communities, the big main community, all the little offshoots. And that's not because of luck. That's because of hard work and really great content that you don't luck into. You get there from hard work. So I'm glad that you you threw that in there too. But it has <laughs> been really fun to watch. I remember Camp Fi 2018, my first Camp Fi, you and Jonathan were there and we were around a campfire and Carl had been telling me about your podcast. Uh, and I was like, I got to listen to this. This is going to be so exciting because I love Brad. I didn't know Jonathan at the time, but it was exciting to talk to you about it even way back then. And just to watch it grow has been fabulous. Yeah. Well, thank you guys both. I, I really appreciate it. And yeah, that Camp Fi and uh, Camp Mustache Southeast before that was uh, 2017. That was, I think that was where we first kind of made a name for ourselves so yeah a lot of very fond memories from those those old camp fives and i think i'm not sure if that was the one i lost my voice at the 2018 one or not or if that was 2019 but like it's funny i got laryngitis at one of those camp fives and i kid you not my voice is still brittle all these years later like i go to a conference and like i'm just worried about losing so i've maybe deep scars from that but going back to the the luck for a second i think the phrase that I've always used, and it's actually become so much more popular. I think that guy Sahil Bloom on Twitter uses this and gets credited for it. But I, I've been using this phrase for years is luck surface area. And it's like, how can you increase your luck surface area? What are all the all the relationships? What's all the, the knowledge? What are all the skills you can build? All of these things go into oh, that looks like some aspect of luck or you're just ready when the luck hits you, right? And like, I think I was trying to build that surface area since I was a kid and just learning as much as I could, reading as far and as wide. And then, you know, honestly, Carl, just going back to like meeting you and Brandon, like that, was, that wasn't a, an overt thing by any means. It, it clearly wasn't. But frankly, like that, was part of luck surface areas, like making genuine connections with people, making friendships. And somebody like Brandon, interestingly enough, in all these twists of fate, like because I knew Brandon and I had this little site, Travel Miles 101, like he had me on his podcast way back when, I think it was 2016. And this random guy, Jonathan Mendonca in Richmond, Virginia, heard that podcast and said, oh, wow, this guy, Brad, is in Richmond, he's into travel rewards, and he's into financial independence. I am too. I'm all of those things, Jonathan said to himself. And he reached out to me and he said, hey man, let's, let's get lunch sometime. And he was just some random stranger who reached out to me through my website. And for whatever weird reason, I said yes. And one thing led to another and that's what helped start Choose FI. And like, again, these little things that you can never prepare for the serendipity of it, but it's, again, learning far and wide, making genuine, genuine connections and friendships, not the, the swarmy, like glad handing networking nonsense, but like real connections. Like you just never know where it takes you. It is super cool, Brad. I think we have both stayed with Brandon in Scotland. Uh, is that yeah. correct? I know I have. <laughs> yeah, indeed. We, so we didn't, 
We hung out with Brandon for Brandon and Jill in Skyland. We didn't actually stay at their place, I don't think. But yeah, we, because my whole family was there. So I was, it was awesome to meet up with them in Edinburgh and just, yeah, I think we spent like three weeks in Skyland that, that time. That was a, that was a great trip. Oh, nice. I'm really thankful to know y'all because from the professional side, like to with podcasting and all the stuff we do now, but I'm more thankful to know y'all as friends. We don't live close to each other, but it's so neat when we bump into each other at these conferences or I'm probably going to come into Richmond this spring. Yeah, right back at you, my friend. Let's get into your background before we get into the main meat of the conversation. Brad, let's dive into your background. Have you always been money savvy? Huh. Yeah, I. on some level, I was always money aware, let's say. So there's uh, <laughs> there's some funny stories in my family of maybe me being just like a little weird and obsessive compulsive of like, you know, back in the day, like memorizing the serial numbers on, on dollar bills and things like that. And like, I, which is utterly ridiculous, obviously, but that was when I was a little kid. And then when I was a teenager, I worked at like a comic book store and a baseball card store and, you know, would get my like 10% employee discount and you know again there's some silly stories in our family of how i kind of like cheated my brother out of one of maybe the the lower lights of of my life was me pocketing his my 10 percent discount when he sent me to the store to to buy his comic books and baseball cards so again not one of the things i'm proudest of in my life needless to say but i think on some level i was always like i said a little bit money aware though i wasn't like really steeped in it. And I, I, other than that one particular job that I just mentioned, it wasn't like I was earning money at, as like a 15, 16, 17 year old, like obsessively trying to accumulate money. It was just, there was something, there seemed to be something there. And then I guess really the first formative moment came for me. I think it was when I was 19. I had an internship at uh, an investment company, Solomon Smith Barney back in the day. And this was nothing special. It was basically, I was just like cold calling people. So it wasn't like a very glamorous internship by any means. But the one positive thing that happened for me that entire summer was one of the brokers sat me down in front of his computer and showed me a compound interest calculator. And it was like a Roth IRA compound interest of like, oh, I think at the time it was like a $2,000 annual limit. So if you put $2,000 in, and keep in mind, guys, I was 19 years old, right? So, and you could play with what you expected the annual rate of return was. So I was putting in ridiculous things, 12, 13, 14%. But it was like, oh, wow, by the time I'm 99, I'm just making this up. It was like $700 million or so, you know, with a $2,000 input every year. It was something ludicrous. But just to sit there and see, oh, wow, you mean if I only put in $2,000 a year, Every single year for the rest of my life, I'm going to have millions upon millions of dollars, tens of millions of dollars. And now, obviously, again, that was a really unrealistic uh, rate of return. But you and I, all of us know very, very well just how important compounding is. And I think that was one of the, the handful of lightning bolt moments in my life that was just, oh, wow, once I've seen it, I can't unsee it from here on out. Yeah, that is uh, that you remember that I think is so much fun. I've spoken to a lot of people on about their journey to financial independence, and I would say probably fifty percent of the people that I speak to have an aha moment and oh, and that's when my life changed. Yeah. When did you? When do you think you discovered financial independence? <laughs> Because this was at age 19, you saw the calculator, but did you start doing the extrapolations and, oh, I can retire when I'm 30? Yeah, I wish I was that smart. I definitely am am not, (laughs) was not, (laughs) never would have been. I think, yeah, clearly. So I had probably two more lightning bolt moments that I can think of with Phi. Now, one is in the future, clearly. It's more with investing and reading the stock series and simple path to wealth by jl collins but that's that's years in the future the the actual finding phi was just plain and simple reading mr money mustache and seeing the shockingly simple math behind early retirement and that was it's almost become cliche at this point but like that was the article that changed my life hard stop end of story like it just that changed everything for me and i was I, I, in fairness, I was a big saver. My wife and I, going back to your earlier question of like, 
were you always money inclined or, or whatever? I, I think fortunately, and I don't know how I, I didn't mention this earlier, but we were always big savers. Like I was not a spender from the time we got our first jobs at my wife and I each obviously separately at that point, but at 22 years old, I think both of us lived at home for a couple of years or a bunch of years and saved something like 80, 90% of our income because frankly, we didn't spend anything. You know, we bought food and, and drinks and hanging out with our friends, but there was nothing that we like desperately wanted. We didn't need to prove how tough we were by buying BMWs and renting apartments by ourselves, right? To prove uh, how mature and adult we were. It was like both of us just happened to be natural savers, I guess is the most succinct way of putting it. But guys, it was all for just, we, we didn't know at that point. It was just, all right, we're saving. But there was no goal. There was no understanding that you could withdraw a certain amount. And that's why Pete's article, The Shockingly Simple Math, that was everything. That just finally put some understanding and like behind, oh, wow, there's actually, there's an end goal here. And I think, I think that's what the phi number does so beautifully is. Well, again, we can all kind of quibble, and I'm not sure how much you've gone into this on your podcast about like the 4% rule and whatever. Like, we can quibble whether it's 4%, whether it's 3.75 or four and a half or three and a quarter. I honestly don't care, frankly. Like, it, because what it does is provide a North Star, right? As opposed to, hey, I'm saving, if you're one of the fortunate people who saves money, I'm just doing it for nothing. But when you say, oh, wow, 25 times your annual expenses, you control what your life costs, you need 25 times that. Again, we can quibble over the exact percentage, but 25 times and you reach five. Plain and simple, end of story. Like that is just the greatest thing ever. It changes the whole calculation. It's so funny how similar our stories are because we were saving too. I never even thought about why we were saving. And then just like you, I discovered MMM. I'm like, oh, wow. Here's something cool I could do with my money. And it's, <laughs> it was actually removing something from my life, and that was my job. But Brad, I, I often wonder about myself. Would that thought ever have occurred to me? Would I have died with some tremendous amount of money because I would have worked until I was 60 because I never had this novel idea yeah. that I have enough money and I don't need to work anymore. So <laughs> I'm so thankful for Mr. Money Mustache. And I hope that I would have been smart enough to figure it out eventually, but do you I can't think you would have? have? I don't know. I really don't know. I don't think I would have been. Honestly, I really genuinely don't. Yeah. I'm sitting here nodding my head viciously to those of you <laughs> who aren't watching on YouTube. No, I think you would have continued to work until you're 65 because that's what you do. And I remember Carl discovering Mr. Money Mustache and coming downstairs and telling me, I'm going to retire. I'm going to quit my job. I'm like, great, because it was such a source of stress for him. And I was a stay-at-home mom at the time. Um, and I didn't care that he was going to quit his job because I just assumed he'd go and get another job. Like, you're not <laughs> going to quit your job forever. And then he told me he was going to start a blog. I'm like, well, that's just dumb. <laughs> when I first discovered this, I'm like, this is so awesome. I'm going to tell everyone I know. Like, I'll tell all my friends, and this will be great. We can all hike and mountain bike. They'll do the exact same thing. They'll quit their job. I said, <laughs> how'd that work out for you Carl? <laughs> it, yeah yeah you, you could see you could tell how it worked out it did not work out well because i don't think i've convinced a couple people but no friends or family it's random strangers from the internet maybe yes but no i, I think some of them have even bought more stuff as a result because they, they <laughs> just see to spite my, you yeah yeah they're like well this is sounds like deprivation i don't want to do this i'm gonna react against this why do you think it's different for some people versus others. And I don't think we're any better than anyone else. Did we get caught at the right time? Or what's the difference here? Because I think this is like winning the lottery, just like winning it over a decade or two instead of an instantaneous two million bucks overnight. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. I think like to me, to both of you, Phi is a superpower. And it, it just, it was so self-evident to me when I learned about it that like, this almost sounds ridiculous to say out loud, but like, it seems like the, the self-evident truth behind the entirety of personal finance. Like, this is the reason that personal finance exists. It's not to like get Susie Orman to tell you you should save 5% for retirement 40 years from now. Like, 
Nobody cares about that. I, th- I think that, frankly, why, like the entire personal finance industry is, they're just starting from the wrong point. They don't convince anybody. They don't, they don't hit and resonate on any type of emotional level because it's all about, like all you ever hear is save for retirement. For most people, when they learn, when they hear that, when they're 22, 25, even 35, like to save for 30 years from now, 40 years from now, like that is inconceivable. And then it does seem like deprivation because there's nothing even remotely immediate about it, not less intermediate about it, right? Like I think phi is like an intermediate get rich slowly type thing, but traditional retirement is is so far off it doesn't seem real you can't imagine who that person is i think and when you can say like okay you can have like you can almost do like a horse race of hey you're going to in all likelihood wake up when you're 50 and have zero dollars because you're probably going to spend it all or and maybe 50 was even the bad starting point let's just say 40 right like if for somebody starting at 22 you're going to wake up at 40. I guarantee you, you're going to be broke like everybody else. That's what everybody else, middle class, upper middle class, everybody is essentially broke in terms of net worth. Now, that doesn't mean they don't make an income, right? And you, you can make a significant income, but it, to my opinion, if your net worth is zero or minimal, you are broke. I don't care what your actual income is that year. And that might be a little bit of a hot take. I don't think it is for us, but like for a lot of people that might be, but, or you can just reorient your life towards, Hey, I'm going to really focus on getting back the only thing that matters, which is my time. I think when you, when you orient it around, I'm going to get my freedom, my autonomy and my time back. And then I can spend all the years that I'm here on this earth, this very finite period of time doing what I want to do. I think that resonates with, with some select people. Now, Carl, I, I do agree with the premise of your question. I, I think, and, and I don't know why it only hits with certain people. I think this is, this is an open question. And I don't think any of the three of us have solved this. Like, I think there might be some aspect of, of nature, right? There might be some aspect of like biology that goes into it or just upbringing or frankly, and I think probably most likely, it's some type of like external exogenous shock, like some kind of negative event that might have like woken somebody up to it. And they realize it's almost like a rock bottom type scenario. Like, I, I don't know what percentage, it would be interesting to do a survey, like what percentage of the Phi community has come in in their own self-selecting way, like based on one of those couple of things. And I'm sure that we could come up with a, a bunch of different options. Like, do you guys have any other ways that you've seen people come in to the fight community or any other thoughts on, on like why it doesn't resonate with everybody? I think that people who it doesn't resonate with fear that they're going to have to give up and they're not just giving up something small. They're giving up something large. One of the earliest Phi bloggers out there was Jacob Lund Fisker from Early Retirement Extreme. And it's right there in his name. He eats rice and beans and peanut butter and jelly and lives on like, I don't know, $1.50 a year or something. And people (laughs) see that and they're like, no, I don't want to give up that. Well, that doesn't have to be your life. That certainly isn't our life. I don't think that's your life, Brad. You don't have to be so extreme and you know this actually was highlighted in a a presentation at Bigger Pockets. I work at Bigger Pockets. That's my day job. And my Bigger Pockets money co-host Scott Trench is the CEO of the company and he gave a presentation we call them lunch and learns. He gave a presentation on the concept of financial independence, the concept of saving for retirement and you know you can the 4% rule and you know compound interest and all of that and at the end of his presentation which you know Scott you know he's not preachy he's very fact based no, not at all at the end of the presentation one of the girls in the office raised her hand and said 
but I'm young right now. I want to live my life. I can think about retirement later. And I'm thinking to myself, if Scott Trench can't convince you to do this, who can? This was a really well thought out presentation. It was, you know, it was, it was just, here are facts. And I am really excited to say that she has since changed her mind and, you know, is doing more towards it. But that, like, I just think people have this idea that they're going to have to give up everything. And, you know, Paula says, you can afford anything, you just can't afford everything. And that's such a great tagline because what is important to you? Brad, is it having designer clothes? I'm going to guess no, but I don't want to speak for you. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, you went out on a a limb on that one, Mindy. Early, the the fire movement was painted in this, this really negative caricature way. I think, like you said, with Jacob from Early Retirement Extreme, I think even, not that any of us think that Pete is living a life of deprivation by any stretch, but I think just when you hear that people are living on $28,000 or $32,000 or in Jacob's case, $7,000, like that sounds ridiculous. And you think immediately that it they must be depriving themselves. They must be living these horrible lives. And I think when that's the starting point, I think a lot of people just shut down and aren't even intrigued to move further. And I think, you know, one thing that we have done at Chooseify, or I'd like to believe that, like, I, I'm okay patting myself on, on the back about this. I don't, I don't normally do that. But like, I think we've normalized the conversation. Like, I think we've dem- democratized is a bit of a crazy word. But like, I think we've, on some level, democratized Phi. And moved it away from like this super extreme culty fire to, oh, wow, this is something that millions upon millions of people are pursuing all around the world. That we're pursuing lives of freedom and autonomy based around what we value. And that means, obviously, because there is a finite income for everyone has a finite income, right? Unless, you know, unless you're in some weird hedge fund or something. but you have to make choices. And I think that's part of the fun of it, to me at least, is, okay, look, there's a place for frugality. And I think a lot of people like to say like, oh, it's this abundance, you can just earn more. And like, that's fine, you can on some level, but like, frugality still has a place in the FI community. But, and, and a big place, I think it always will be. But I think also, spending on things that really provide you value has a big place too. And I don't know that that was really the conversation seven plus years ago. And I think it's, it's, it's important for people to understand like, we live really, really great lives, you know? And, and I think going back to like that list of people who might be intrigued, like I think people who are into like games, gamifying life, board games, quantified self, any, any of those type of people, like I look at what we've done as living the same middle or upper middle class life as everybody else around us, but just winning at life in the process instead of being essentially broke like everybody else. We've just made a couple little tweaks and those tweaks have led us to have a real significant multi-million dollar net worth, right? And it's like, I mean, just you guys know the simple stuff, like drive old cars. And this doesn't mean you have to do this, but this is what we've done. We drove old cars. For the last 20 years, we've driven old cars. That's been a, when you compound the amount of money that we've saved over two cars over 20 years, that's literally many, many hundreds of thousands of dollars just for doing that. Driving perfectly functional, nice cars, but not going to turn any heads, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Buying the least expensive four bedroom house in the best school district. We even went to the best school district in Richmond. The, but we got the, essentially the least, the least expensive four-bedroom house. That decision, our house cost $1,200 a month. That was what it cost for forever. And I mean, a one-bedroom apartment in, in any area of Richmond costs more than that. So it's like, holy cow, this was brilliant. That saved us hundreds of thousands of dollars compounded, like eating at home, like just a couple little things. Well, and, and then you can spend lavishly, right? Yeah, and you like you said, just a couple of little things. You don't have to do all of these. If cars really 
no pun intended, but if cars really rev your engine, then <laughs> have a great car and buy the the smaller house and the or the less expensive house and eat at home and or if you really are a foodie and you love going out to dinner, then have the older car and the the older house and you know you don't care about your clothes shop at a thrift store that's better for the environment anyway you know there's there's all these things that you can choose to do and you don't have to pull every single lever it doesn't have to be you know this total life of deprivation but i think when people first hear about it they're like oh i'm not i'm somebody is going to be putting limitations on my money and my spending and the only person that's putting limitations on your money and spending is you so figure out what it is that you love and what it is that doesn't really matter to your life yeah. and you know, go from there. We had on the Bigger Pockets Money podcast, we interviewed uh, Liz from Frugal Woods, and she was talking about how when she first discovered financial independence, she's like, Great, we are cutting out everything. <laughs> and then the next month, she's like, Wow, that really kind of sucked. I want to add some of this stuff back in. So instead of just adding it back in, she looked for frugal ways to add it back in. And there were some things that she didn't miss at all, and there were other things that she really missed. So, you know, I don't – I wouldn't recommend going down her lifestyle of, you know, cut out everything and then see what really you missed. But cut out one thing and see if you really missed it and cut out something else and see if, oh, you know what? I want to bring that back in and, you know, yeah. see what really, really makes your life awesome and what really is just there because it's there. Yeah. Yeah, totally agree. And and I'm not sure that I, I... – got my point across. It was a little uh, fumbling around this, but like the gamifying life, like I think it's fun. Like I find this absolutely fun to live that same, I mean, literally upper middle class, like middle class lifestyle as everybody else. And just these couple little tweaks. I feel like I'm winning. I feel like I'm winning at some secret game that most people don't even know exists. And like Liz from Fugoids, that's a perfect example. She talked way back when about most people think, I mean, it, it, almost all of these sentences start with most people think, right? Like this is common thought or society says, most people think living in cities is really expensive. And she's like, no, 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 it's not. It's the exact opposite. Sure, the rent might be more than in a comparable small town or rural area, obviously. But like there are thousands of free things to do every single day in a city like Boston where they lived at the time thousands of free things you need to just apply a little bit of creativity if you can be a little creative and think a little bit differently i think you can win at life in so many different ways and that's just like that's one almost silly example but it's just a great one because people think society says dot 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 living in cities is expensive well it doesn't really have to be and that was just just one of those that sticks in my head seven years later that's so good. Brad, I think all three of us are pretty similar in that we're, I don't know if programmed is the right word, but we're disposed to like fire and embrace this from the onset. The fact that we were savers maybe predisposed us to embrace fire more readily. We had some programming back there in the back of our brains, but not everyone is like that. We were on the Ramit Sadie podcast, and the point of that podcast was we were talking about how we spend our money and enjoy it a little bit more. And someone made the comment on there. They said, if you think spending is difficult, imagine how difficult it's going to be going from being a spender to being a saver. So how do you reach people that might not have our disposition towards fire or saving money? Like someone who, I don't even want to stereotype anyone. So I'll just leave the question at that. And maybe you yeah. have some good stories you could share with us, Brad. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is not, it's not easy. It's really not. I think for me, I usually start with just how stressful a life is when, when you're living on the edge. And again, this is people who make, many people who make significant incomes. If they're not saving, if they have no net worth, they're living on the edge. They are, they're poor. And I, like, I use that word very intentionally because it, it sounds, it like hits you in the face, right? And, and if you are not saving money, if you don't have any type of net worth or anything, you are poor. And I think what, how that actually impacts people is 
their lives are constantly stressed based on, on money. And that is ever pervasive. It's always there. I think all three of us would say money is probably the least stressful aspect of our lives. And that is just, it's such a gift that, like, I, I don't think, I'll speak for myself here, obviously, like, I don't think I consciously think about it often enough, just how incredible it is that money is not a stress in our lives at all. Nothing. Zero percent. The only, like, the only way that I think about money is where am I investing this month? Like, oh, I have some extra cash laying around. Am I going to put it in a high yield savings account for this now guaranteed 5%, which is amazing? Do I put it in the market like I know I should? Like, you know, those are the, the funny little arguments I have with myself now. But it's not like an existential argument around like, oh my God, I don't have $1,000 saved up or, oh, the refrigerator broke. Am I going to have to put that on a credit card or borrow money or get a payday loan? Like, that's what a lot of people have to have to worry about, right? And it's like, do you want to live that way? Like, even if you don't think financial independence is for you, and I would I would certainly question the the premise of of that assumption, but even if you say, yeah, I love my job. Like again, we we could argue around this this kind of silly line of reasoning, but I love my job. I never want to quit. It's always going to be perfect. My boss is never going to leave. It's going to be great for the next fifty years. Okay, well. That's fine. Even if you absolutely love your job and you think it's never going to change and it's going to be perfect, that's fine. Millions of people love their jobs, but I guarantee you, your life will be less stressful with $5,000 in the bank, with $10,000 in the bank. Guaranteed. Dramatically less stressful. I mean, you will not even believe it. And then I think what a lot of us know is this starts, it, it's like that snowball rolling downhill, right? Like you get a little win. It starts to feel good. You realize, oh, wow, I've made this little change. That's just like a tiny little optimization. Like the one that I always start people with is, is their cell phone. There are still so many people spending $100 a line on their cell phone. It is the most insane thing in the entire world when Mint Mobile exists now for $20 a month, essentially. Like it is ludicrous. And then you have a family of three or four phones. I mean, you're talking, somebody could save a couple hundred dollars for their family. And a, month. I don't, a month, every single month. And in one year, there's, there's the amount that you need to save. And you realize, oh, wow, you mean this whole community of fire people like actually knows what they're talking about, right? Like I made this one change. My life was impacted negatively 0%. And I have an extra two or $300 a month. Oh, I wonder what else I can do. I wonder how else, and then it starts getting fun. Then you start realizing, oh, wow, I can contribute more to my 401k. And I don't notice that the money's gone, right? Like I, because I think most people are pre, have this predilection to uh, spend all their money. And if you're just doing something smart, like you're increasing your 401k contribution, you're never going to notice those X number of dollars that's less coming out because frankly, if you timed it around your next raise, it might actually net out. Like this is like probably the second thing that I would tell people is, okay, you're a little cautious about doing this. I get it. That's fine. The next time you get a raise and it's set to go in, that's when I want you to increase your 401k contribution because you're still going to take home more money in all likelihood and you're going to be saving. How can I get these little wins for people to snowball? And then I think they're going to start, and I've seen in my own experience, people start realizing like, this is fun. There's no downside. Oh, and look, my net worth is actually positive now. It's increasing. Like, this is something I can do. And I think when people, that kind of goes back, and I know I'm long-winded here, but like, I think one of the beautiful parts about FI is that going back to that 4% rule is like, we have that North Star and it's attainable and it's based on something that we control, which is our annual expenses. Okay. That's fully under our control. Whereas I think human beings in general, when they are told by the Susie Ormans of the world, hey, you're going to need 10 or $15 million, $20 million to retire because healthcare, like th that's essentially like how she says it, like because healthcare is going to be expensive, right? Like it's, it's just fear mongering. It's all fear mongering. 
It's ridiculous. And what do people do when they hear, I need to, re- I need to save $15 million? Throw their hands up and say, I'm going to YOLO the hell out of this. <laughs> right? Because why not? Why the hell not? I'm going to live for today. So I think when it's in your control and you feel like you have some control over your life, that's a totally different starting point. Yeah, I like that so much. And the little wins reminds me of something I do that's kind of similar. So when I'm working out and trying to either accomplish a weight loss goal or a strength goal, I take pictures of myself every week. And there's nothing more motivating than seeing a little bit of change. It makes you want to do it that much harder and that much more because you already have that little win and you can see it. There's something measurable there. So getting those little wins is so so important. Uh, another thing I like to do, which probably isn't nearly as effective as ask people what their perfect life looks like. And I kind of stole this from the Playing With Fire movie where Scott asks Taylor, what are the top 10 things most important? I think if you ask people that question and phrase it either way, the top 10 things are like, what does your perfect life look like? Uh, Brad, I don't think most people are going to say, oh, I I want a helicopter or or some ridiculous car. They're going to say, I want to be able to have a good relationship with my spouse or spend time with my children And there's two thoughts around that. Assuming they do say that, those things don't cost money. The second (laughs) thought is, well, here's a real easy way to attain this, especially if you're young. You just have to make small tweaks now, and you can have this. There's going to be a little bit of a waiting period, but you're not going to have to live a life of deprivation. And you can have this life if you just do these small things now that you alluded to, Brad. So start at the end and maybe work backwards, because I don't think most people's ideal life would be some crazy... I always reference the show Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. Do you remember that show, Brad, or am I? Yeah, from way back in the day. Yeah, we're Robin Leach, right? Yeah, Robin Leach. He'd be on the boat sipping champagne, and he'd show all these houses. And funny enough, Brad, I remember my grandmother used to be obsessed with that show. It would always be on when I go to her house, like on Sunday nights (laughs) or whenever it was on. And that was my image of a rich person. I'm like, wow, they all live in these huge houses, and have Bentleys or Rolls Royces and all this. And then I read The Millionaire Next Door, which is debatable because they paid people to do that. So that might not be the best example either. But I think it's a lot more realistic than the lifestyles of the rich and famous show. Well, think about all the millionaires we know. They're all millionaires next door. They're not lifestyles of the rich and the famous millionaires. Yeah, they they drive RAV4s and Toyota Corollas. uh, It is true with lifestyle, or at least in our narrow view. We are the millionaire next door, and so are all the other millionaires that we know. Brad, a funny story is one of the neighbors thought we were destitute because of the cars we had (laughs) and and, and the fact that I worked on them myself. I'm like, no, you you don't understand. Let me me show you some stuff. (laughs) That is funny. Yeah, there's a lot of truth to that that millionaire next door. I'm not sure, like you said, some of the, the background on it. It's almost neither here nor there, but like there, I, I think there's a lot more truth in that than certainly a lot of the other financial wisdom you see from the traditional mainstream world. Yeah. One other thing I love to do, and I'm so I'm, I'm really deeply thankful for Choose Fi because one of the best things you can do for someone who questions this is hook them up with other people in the financial independence community. Go to a Choose Fi meetup where you, you'll learn that all these people are nuts, and even better yet. Go to like a campfire or uh, an, a, an event on the Choose Fi website. Choose Fi is a great way to network and meet people and realize that we're not crazy. <laughs> and, anyone who's on the fence about these events is always like, oh, I don't want to go. We'll talk about index funds for, for a weekend. I'm like, you have no idea because that topic might come up for like 3 or 1% of the time or probably 0%, but it's all these yeah. people talking about what they want to do with their lives and all these places are going to go to and all these dreams they have. And I don't think there's anything more inspiring than being around a group of people like that and seeing what financial independence really looks like. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. I think uh, the community events, the larger community events, like you said, Camp Fi Economy, which uh, doesn't by the title suggest that it's Fi, but it, that's really in my eyes, the largest Fi gathering in the world. And now uh, Five Freedom Retreats is something that Amy Minkley is doing in Bali, actually, which is yeah. super cool. You know, the Chautauqua events used to exist. And then, yeah, like you guys mentioned, Choose FI, I think probably the, the best thing we've ever done 
is form those local groups. And in, you know, we're recording this in early 2024. That's something I'm trying to provide, like, personally, like, that's my big project for the year is to provide more support to the local groups, because I think they are the heartbeat of our whole community. And the, the larger financial independence community. And like, frankly, like we've always tried to give them just a lot, like a ton of just runway and autonomy to do their own thing. But I think we went too far and didn't really provide any support from Choose a Vi. And now I'm like, just trying to do simple things like, hey, here's an email list or hey, here are the eight different, and, and I'm making up the number eight, but the eight different types of meetups that, that really, really work, kind of like crowdsource across the local groups and I think to have like a, a best of as opposed to, hey, we're just going to meet up in a brewery once a month for forever, basically. And like that's it's really nice. And those are still fun. But even something like we've seen these actually Diana Merriam, who founded Economy, she in the Cincinnati Chusify and, and Phi group, they started these case studies. So someone was brave enough to stand up in front of the entire local group and basically talk about their financial life and really ask, ask the room, ask the crowdsource, hey, these are the things I'm struggling with. Here's what I'm thinking. What do you think about my plan? And like for an hour or two, people would go through one person's financial life with like showing numbers and everything. It is so brave to do that. And that is sweeping through the local groups. I keep seeing... I know we had one in Richmond here in, in Virginia, and it was so popular. Somebody else in the room said, I need to do this. And they literally, three weeks later, we had another one. I think they decided to like, I, I, have, to, I have to check this, but I think they decided to, like, to leave their jobs or go on a, a mini retirement based on that case study. And it's just like, it's so cool. So again, yeah, choosefi.com slash local is where you find the list of those. I think there's somewhere between 250 and 300 groups across the world. And yeah, it's just been a really neat thing. Oh, I'm so glad that there's a place to go to find them all. I know that when we're traveling, I'll just, I'll reach out to uh, your community manager and say, hey, we're going to be here. Is there a local group? And we'll reach out. She'll add us to the local group and then yes. we'll be able to, you know, jump in and say, hey, we're going to be here. Would anybody like to meet up? And those are more informal meetups because we don't have our stuff together right now and <laughs> we don't plan ahead well, I for love, these. I love that you do that. And that's actually not to get into like the inside baseball, but like, I think this is important. Obviously the, your listeners are five community members, like exactly that. Like when you go to, Hey, I'm taking a trip to Orlando, Florida, and it, let's assume I'm not Brad from choose I, but I'm, I'm just taking a trip to Orlando. Like, I don't necessarily want to join the Orlando Facebook group for the rest of eternity. What if on our local page, and this is again, that support that I'm providing, there's an email address for the admins. So you don't have to actually join anything. You can just reach out and say, Hey, I'm going to be in town. Does anybody want to, or does anyone want to meet up? Or is anything going on that week for the local group? Are like, do you have any suggestions? Like, I think that's a way I'm also going to have an email list generally. So lots of these little, it almost, it, again, it sounds like inside baseball, but I, I think it's really going to help these local groups. And, you know, honestly, I should have done it six years ago, but everything was working great and it's better late than never. So it's, 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 a, it's going to be hundreds upon hundreds of hours of work, but I think it's going to be useful. Yeah. And it's, it's so much fun to meet people in different areas. I'm a real estate agent. There's people that come to, Longmont, Colorado, and they want to just see the the area. So to be able to reach out and say, hey, we'd like to, you know, connect with you. We'd like to connect with people in the area because we're thinking about moving here or, you know, the Denver group or, you know, wherever they're trying to meet or, or move or just, you know, meet new people in different areas because they like we yeah. travel to San Diego frequently. That's a, a favorite vacation spot for us. So we've joined the San Diego group so that when we're on our way out there, hey, is anybody coming? You know, is anybody, anything happening right now? It's yeah. just so nice to be able to talk to people in the same space. You say, you, you share the same language. And Carl, I do have to correct you. At Camp Fi, 
index funds do come up. It's not 0%. <laughs> but it also isn't 100% of the time. It is no, no, shockingly no. low how frequently we're talking about money-related and investing-related topics as Agreed. much as just random life stuff. Agreed. Shockingly low. I shockingly would low. wholeheartedly agree with that. Brad, where can people find you and ChooseFi online? All right. So you're listening to a podcast, so you know how to find a podcast. Just search Choose, like make a choice, Choose FI. And that's the easiest place. So I'd love it if you'd subscribe. Like we mentioned, choosefi.com slash local. If you're looking to join a local group, I think really that's the best place. I'm kind of on Twitter, Brad, ChooseFI, but you know, I mostly just lurk there. But yeah, just join a community. It's not about me. It's about joining the community. If you really want to get in touch with me, subscribe to my newsletter, choosefi.com slash subscribe, and just hit reply to any single one of those emails. I read every single reply. Ooh, and Brad's email list is my favorite. I, I don't think I've ever responded, but I read it every week with the wins and the oh, resources. Nice. And listeners, next week, we are going to be talking about the number one most important financial decision you can make. So thank you so much for listening. And Brad, thank you so much for joining us today. We will talk to you again soon. With Carol. <laughs> I love I love Mindy on money and Carl too. Carl, that was Carl's idea, not mine. I really feel like we need to, we should have recorded that conversation, Carl. <laughs> we had like 50 other ideas and like anything else with the internet, the first million URLs you try, it's a bunch of domain squatters that want like $20,000 for their stupid yep. URL. So <laughs> Mindy on money was probably 586 on that list. And uh, <laughs> that's what we arrived at. It sounded better than Carl on cash or anything else we could come uh, up with. What are you guys chuckling at? What's going on over there? So it might be cool to go down there and do a workout. I expect you to be. have your shirt off though, Brad. That's pretty common. <laughs> in Boba <Sack. laughs> it, it, Mindy did request some pictures. So if you see me with my phone out, I, 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 I won't share them with anyone. Do you have water down here? I do. Okay, can I have just a sip? Before we wow, start? I brought water. It's like brown in there, isn't it? It's a stain. Why are you calling me out? There's a video. You were going to be able to use that, and now you can't. I can use everything. No, you can't. What, what can't I use? You're asking me why my the mouthpiece on my water bottle is stained. No, it's, just, it's probably just mildew. It's not. I wash it all the time. Why are you so mean? I'm just kidding. I'm not mean. I love you your water bottle. Email Carl at MindyOnMoney.com and tell him not to be mean to me. Oh, 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 oh. I have a cramp in my hand. Hold on. Oh, oh God. God. How do you get a cramp in your hand? I don't know. My hand, I, like, my body's just cramping up lately because life is awful. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. You made me freeze this morning when I went and parked the car. Yuck. I invited you to park way closer, and you're like, oh, 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 oh. No, I got to park in the way back of the gym lot. I had to drop you off at the front. You didn't have to. You chose to. You could have chosen to park closer, but you wanted to, oh, 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 as far away as you possibly could from the door. I don't like parking next to people. And I forgot what my second thought is. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, I think it can be said either way. I always say choose F.I. Oh, 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 oh. I think it can be said either way. I always say choose. Oh, 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 oh.